Hi, welcome to the Juno Files. I'm Jim Juno, and today I am talking with author Linda Alexander. She has a new book out. It's published by Bear Manor Media. It's called The Life and Death of Rising Star Steve Einet. Gone Too Soon. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Not a problem at all. I appreciate you doing it. Now, Steve Einet may not be a name a lot of people recognize, but he had quite a career as a character actor, and he also started one of the, one of the more famous Star Trek original Star Trek episodes. And uh, but how did you get how did you get interested in in Steve Einet? Uh, well, I I tend to just um, I, I'm very sudden about these things, and uh, I had finished my most recent book on um, Alan Rocky Lane, and I was trying to decide who I'd write about next, and my husband and I were flipping channels one night before we went to bed, and um, The Inheritors, uh, the two-part series, The Inheritors was on, um, two-parter um, was on, and Steve Hynette showed up on the screen, and I looked at him, and I just said, I know that man. Um, but there was no way I could have known that man because the TV show um, was on when I was about six years old, and that was just impossible. Um, but there was something about him that was very, very familiar. And um, so I started to research him. I found out what his name was, and I... I just realized that he was a part of my TV watching throughout my entire older childhood and, and young adult years um, because he had been on TV so very much. I had seen he, him night after night, practically. Yes, he had, he had been on almost every television show at one point or the other during the 60s and even into the early 70s. Correct, yes. And, you know, he, sometimes he was on more than one show on a, on any given night. Um, I, I came to learn that, that he had so many fans that would just grab their television guides and their markers, and they would sit there and just go through the TV guide every week. And when they'd find his name in the TV guide, they'd mark it because they were waiting to see when Steve would be on TV next. Now, <clears throat> The episode that I knew him from, being being an, an old time trekker, was his episode on Star Trek when he played Garth of Izar. Yeah. And and his performance was just incredible in that episode. He he could go from zero to sixty in a bat of an eye. Yeah, and he did. <laughs> <laughs> But when you were when you were talking, you actually got to meet his family too, didn't you? Oh yes, I've become very close friends, particularly with his widow and uh, his daughter and his niece. His niece and I, uh, you know, very friendly. I tend to do that. I I don't believe in writing about anybody that I don't respect before I start writing about them because I do the research ahead of time. Um, I I don't believe in in uh, salacious biographies of that nature. So. Um, I, I want these people to know that that I will write truthfully about them. You know, if they have an Achilles heel, it's going to come out in the book. Um, but I'm not going to write it as if it's something ugly. I'm going to. We all have skeletons in our closet. Um, oh, that's true. But it, yeah. 
you know, it's, it's going to be there, but it's going to be there because, and, and it's going to be explained as to why it's there. Um, so she, Sally, his, his wife, his widow, um, decided she was going to trust me, and um, she and I have become very close. That was going to open my next question was, how, how did they, were they receptive to the, your idea for a book on him? Uh, oh, yes, they, they were, because most people, including his family, of course, but even fans have, have felt that Steve um, never got the credit he deserved for the work that he did, because um, he just, you know, he had such a large body of work, and he was, he was really good at what he did. Um, and um, he died so early that he was just basically cut off from from being from getting that that uh awareness. Um so you know that was that was the idea is that yes we, we definitely wanted to have his due. And you mentioned uh, he died he died at a, a really young age of I believe thirty six. Uh, he was thirty yeah. In nineteen seventy two thirty seven. In nineteen seventy two, uh very suddenly. But and it and the, the, let's, let's educate the people who are listening. He uh, he was in France to film a movie, and he was fine until one day they found him in his hotel room, uh, passed away. Correct. And and he was not in France to film a movie. He had already created an entire movie. Um, he was in France at, at the film festival. Um, and I always say this wrong. People correct me constantly. Can the Cannes Film Festival? Cannes, uh, okay. Uh, to promote the film festival, it was an independent. He had written, directed it, starred in it, put up the money for it. Steve did the entire thing, and it had gotten already gotten some decent reviews. So what he was there for was to promote it and to get backing for it. And um, he had he was. He was there for that purpose. He was schlepping this, this big tin of film around, um, getting trying to get backers. And he had some possible backers already um, while he was there. And, uh, you know, he, he was found dead in his hotel room. Um, the whole story was just, you know, the story of these 40-some-odd years that said that he died of a heart attack in Cannes. France. Um, well, that's that's possible. He very well may have. But my problem with this story has been, since I started to research it, is that he died alone in a hotel room in a foreign country. No autopsy was ever done on his body. Um, I have had contact with the doctor who, who was there and who reported his death to his wife. And he has told me a different story than he told her at the time of the death. Um, and there are just, you know, obviously, you, know, you have to read the book to see. Uh, there are just so many inconsistencies in this man's death. And, and what, as I understand it by French law, being in a foreign country in a quote-unquote public place, in a hotel is considered a public place, there should have been an autopsy on his body. See, that was my, that was a question I was going to ask. Is that 
it would seem to me that common sense would say, here is a man who looked to be healthy, and suddenly he's dead. And he had had a, he had had a complete physical by the United Artists before he left because he was doing a film for them, or he had done a film for them. So, and he had been declared in perfect health. Um, and so right then and there, and you know the the problem with all this is that he was said to have been found in the in the bathtub uh, in hot water. Um, now, the water doesn't stay hot very long, um, so they would have had to have found him immediately after he died. And if you're feeling, you know, if, if you're feeling like you're going to have a heart attack, do you turn on the do you turn on the shower and stand there long enough to for a tub to get hot and climb into the tub? He wasn't a small man. No, he was um, very tall. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he was tall and he was big, not heavy, but big. Mm-hmm. And slide yourself down and wait for the water to get to a point where it's going to keep you comfortable. Um, all while you're feeling like you're having a heart attack. You know, there were just so many inconsistencies in this story. And the and, doctor and had visited him before. I mean, correct. The doctor supposedly had already come in to see him. And at that time, the doctor supposedly thought he might have been ha- have been having a heart attack. The doctor admitted it, but all he did was give him pills and leave him in that hotel room by himself and say, if you don't feel better later, I'll come back to see you. Now, what doctor is going to do that if they believe a man is having a heart attack? Exactly. You know, and, <clears throat> and this is, the whole story is kind of is kind of bizarre because I mean they tried calling I mean he his wife tried calling and they couldn't connect or there was a phone call which had went that had been cancelled. You know, so he cancelled yes, he cancelled the phone call with her and he would have never ever cancelled a phone call with Sally, um, unless something really drastic was happening. Well, is that drastic because he wasn't feeling well? Um, who knows? Nobody's ever going to know that. Um, right. Then the ho- you know, it took her two hours to get back to, to a call on France, and the hotel hung up on her when she got hold of them. Um, and then it took them 45 more minutes to get there, and the hotel dropped the receiver on the counter, and it took uh, more time for them to even pick up the phone again. And then all the doctor did was pick up the phone basically and say, I'm sorry, madam, your husband is dead. <laughs> Bedside you know, manner is is incredible, or no, the lack the of whole, it. Yeah, the whole thing is, you know, like I said, and there were just so many extenuating circumstances surrounding this whole thing that, you know, my point, you know, I got to the point writing the book that I said, uh, I can't prove or disprove that the man died of a heart attack. I, I simply can't do it. But on the other side of that, I cannot sit here and say, you know, that he died of a simple heart attack, because mm-hmm. frankly, I don't believe it. I have too many bits and pieces of potential proof that that, that, that is not the case. So I decided gonna... to simply oh, okay. write it, saying, showing everything that I have as, as a possibility and let the reader decide what they think, you exactly. know, beyond that. And... 
This is something which will never be resolved because wasn't he was cremated eventually? Yes, he was. No, he was not cremated. He was not. Sally wanted to cremate him, but his parents had had a fit, and they would not let him be cremated. So, oh, okay. technically speaking, he could be exhumed. Um, okay. You know, but would there be any? But would there be anything left after forty, forty-six years? Well, you know, it's been done before. Um, you know, uh, frankly, I think the story is is the stuff of, you know, these Hollywood mysteries. Um, that's just my personal opinion because I, uh, he was well enough, he was well enough known that, that his story deserves that kind of attention, in my opinion. You know, we're a society these days where we love these kind of mysteries. Exactly. And you know, since it, he was not, since he was simply, because he was not cremated, there may still be a chance. And, uh, and you know, as I also put in the book, you know, uh, I'm not convinced that Steve did not have some sort of international issues going on in his life. You know, um, so was there something going on behind the curtain, literally and figuratively? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? When you're, when you're trying to raise money and find dis- uh, distribution for a film, you sometimes have to meet unsavory characters. Well, that's true too. You know, and who knows who knows who he may have met, or or you know, may, was he really alone in his hotel room when he died? You know, that has always been my question. Some things, some of the items that he had with him, that he took to France with him, never returned home. And these things were not extraordinarily expensive or valuable, but they were valuable enough that they should have gone home with him, his body. They never yeah. did. So. Um, well, hopefully one day they'll be able to solve this mystery. Um, the person of Steve Einack, let's, let's touch upon that. Did he have a favorite role? Um. I, I don't know that he had a favorite role. Uh, he I, he seemed to have just he immersed himself in absolutely anything that he did. Uh, you know, he he just was very in tune with the character once he took on a role. Um, a lot of what he did he did because he he wanted to keep the cash flow going. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, he did it. You know, he did it wholeheartedly. But Things like, you know, um, Garth and, um, uh, you know, uh, The Chase. Uh, you know, that was a very simple role. It wasn't a very big role. But um, he decided that he didn't need dialogue to do the role. Now, how many actors cheat themselves out of dialogue? Yeah. Um, but he was the one that decided he was not going to talk in that. They took his dialogue out, and it... It made the movie better, and everybody is, has said that. Um, yeah, a lot of people, and a lot of people, did not even realize that he was gone until until Ed Asner. Correct, he Ed Asner. The book, yeah. Was technically his his posthumous press agent. <laughs> <laughs> um, when when you uh, when you go into a book like this. Do you have, do you, I mean, 
you say that you you saw him, it clicked immediately. That's who you would like to do a book on. As you got into a, as you got into this book, though, was it hard keeping the the goal of telling his life story and hard at considering that what you were finding out about his death? Uh, you mean that I that I want to tell that that more than his life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, because it, I mm-hmm. I felt that it was all part and parcel of the same story. Oh, okay. Um, you know, it, his his death is part of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that became you know it, his his life story to me became a mystery story. Um, wow. And so all of it was in the telling from beginning to end. The reason I ask is because a lot of times, a lot of times, the uh, the way a person dies can can be a distraction to a, to an author telling his life story, their life story. Well, I can especially, understand that. Mm-hmm. Especially when you find out something as mysterious as the way uh, actually taking over this interview, even you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're talking yeah. about talking about his death, you know, and uh, but. You know, from he was a rarity among Hollywood stars. Where he did not cheat on his wife. He had a solid home life. There was no scandal involved with him. And that's what struck me about his life story was that this seemed to be a nice guy overall. Yeah, he was. He was. In every, when I interview people for any of the books that I write, I go out there and talk to as many people as will talk to me and I, I want to hear an unbiased opinion um, and with with Steve I did not find anybody who did not like him um, the most negative thing I found about him that I heard about him was that you know he seemed to have a large ego well he was an actor you know <laughs> you gotta have yeah. that exactly <laughs> There probably are few that don't, um, and it was just part of the you know part of the thing. But every everybody down to the last person really liked the guy. Um, well, it kind of fascinated me because, and, and it, one of the few first things I asked his wife when I first started talking to her is, "This man plays such a good nasty person," you know. He really, really does a good job at playing a mean guy. Mm-hmm. He said, "How how does he do that? You know, how did he ever do that when everybody likes him so well? When he was such a nice guy?" And she said, "I don't know, but but he did it so well." <laughs> Amazing, and he did. And um, well, Linda, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I really do uh, to appear on the Juno Files. The the author's name is Linda Alexander. The book is The Life and Death of Rising Star Steve Einitt. Gone Too Soon. It's published by Bear Manor Media. Linda, again, thank you for appearing on the Journal Files today. Well, thank you. And that's it for now. 